and I, I work here at the church, hello, um, I have the privilege of having a microphone in my hand this morning, I'm going to be teaching, and I spoke two weeks ago on two verses in Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm actually going back there, I'm not going to recycle the whole thing, but we're going to do the same two verses, so if you want to go into Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that's where we're going to be speaking from, and, and um, I don't have any slides, I haven't quite got there yet, so if you want to pull it up on your phone and read along, that's great. And um, just while you're pulling that up, I'm just going to open us in prayer. I'm just going to usher us into the presence of God. Um, Lord, we thank you for the, the privilege of this day. Like, would we be able to stop kind of the motions that we go through and just have a, a moment of calm this morning and, and to really get to know you? If we've known you for years or if we're just getting to know you, um, I, I pray that this time would really be something that's personal, that it wouldn't just be cerebral, but that it would be relational with you, that you would really teach us and encourage us and, and speak to us directly. We thank you that you're the, you're the teacher. Um, would you open us up and, and give us a calm in our minds that we would be able to hear and, and to receive from you. So we welcome you here, Holy Spirit, and we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm I'm, I'm freezing. I'm hoping I'm, I have my winter coat back here. I might put my winter coat on while I'm preaching, which is going to look really funny. So if I get too, I'm freezing. So anyway, it, anyway, um, we're going to give it a shot. But if I start jittering, I'm, I'm getting that coat on. So, um, oh, hello. Why don't we go ahead and read these verses? Um, it's Hebrews chapter 12. It's verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So a little recap, if you weren't here two weeks ago, my, my point in in these verses was to really kind of put this in front of you, that there was a joy that was set before Christ that he endured the cross for. And, and that joy was relationship with you. That was for the love that he had for you personally. I wanted to, to, for us to dwell on how much value we must have if, if Jesus was willing to go through that on the cross for us, right? I think that's so different than sometimes how we see ourselves. How does God see us? And how do we see ourselves? And how do we sort of allow how God sees us to change that, that we could love our neighbor as ourself, right? It's hard to love your neighbor as yourself when you don't like yourself, right? This was my point, is, is to just kind of put that in front of us, the love that God has for us. You know, this great cloud of witnesses that's, that's cheering us on, I use this analogy about an Olympic stadium of, of people that have run a life of faith, you know, all the way from the Old Testament up until the Reformation. We just celebrated the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation, even up to the, the mentors in your life that have mentored you. You know, there's this great cloud of witnesses cheering you on that you would run your race of faith with God too. Why would you be worth an Olympic stadium, right? There's more to you. There's more value. You're you're so precious in the sight of God. And this is where, this is where I wanted to start. And I, I really thought that was the whole message. And I was preparing, as I was preparing for this week, um, I realized that what I, what I didn't touch on was this phrase, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. So I'm, I'm going to talk about that this morning. What, what are the weights that hold us back in our, in our walk of faith? What's, the, what's sin that can cling so closely? And how do we get rid of that? How, how do we do that? Why would we want to do that? So, the book of Hebrews is a letter to Jewish Christians in the early church, and the author of this book uses the four main examples to prove to them that Jesus is above all else, and that he's, 
and to encourage them in their faith in Jesus and, and challenge them in their faith in Jesus. So, and he's comparing Jesus to things from the Old Testament because Jewish Christians back then would be very familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. So in chapters 3 and 4, if you're turning with me, we're going to go to Hebrews 3. In Hebrews 3 and 4, he's comparing Jesus to Moses and the promised land. So this is, it's a comparison. And he says that, it's, that ancient Israel was not able to enter the promised land because of the sin of unbelief. It says in verse 19, it says, so we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. And I had never heard of the sin of unbelief. And what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is how unbelief is really at the root of all sin. And, and his example, how we can learn from that, and his encouragement to the Hebrews about how, what that means for our life. What does unbelief mean that's holding us back in our race, right? So, how many of you don't know what I'm talking about when I say Israel was not able to enter the promised land? Does anybody not know what I'm talking I'm going to explain it anyway. I'm just trying to see if I'm wasting my time. Um, okay, everybody knows. We're going to explain it anyway, so I am wasting my time. But just in case, just in case somebody doesn't know what we're talking about, um, ancient Israel was enslaved in Egypt. They were this nation of hundreds of thousands of people. They started as a small family, but they grew, and they were enslaved in Egypt. And there's this famous story where Moses gets called in a burning bush, and God's like, you're going to leave my people out of Egypt. Moses goes to Pharaoh. He's like, hey, God needs us to go in the wilderness. Pharaoh's like, no. And then God sends plagues on the nation of Egypt. And there's 10 of them. You may have heard of the 10 plagues, and they're really, really dramatic. They're crazy. The first one, the entire Nile River turns to blood, okay? And then Moses comes back and he's like, hey, let my people go. Like, I don't know if you just noticed that the entire river turned to blood, but God wants us to leave. And if you keep disobeying, like, hello. And Pharaoh keeps saying no. Pharaoh hardens his heart five times. It says in the latter five plagues, the latter, the, uh, sorry, from like plagues six to ten, it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But the first five times, it says that Pharaoh's heart became hard. So it's unbelief. Unbelief is the same thing as your heart becoming hard. And there's a point for us to learn here that you can, you can see incredible, miraculous things and still have your heart become hard, right? Pharaoh, you have the free will to choose that. Pharaoh, in the face of insane plagues, like there was like swarms of frogs, there was a swarm of lice, all the livestock died. Meanwhile, none of this is happening to the Israelites. You know, it, 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 it seems to us like it would have been pretty obvious that God's doing something here and he should probably just let them go. But he continues to harden his heart, right? But there's, there's something for us to be learned and to be heeded there that he can do this even in the face of really dramatic, crazy plagues, right? And so the long story short, they, they eventually get let go and they, and they go across the Red Sea. There's a famous story. The Red Sea gets apart and the whole nation walks across the sea on dry land. And they go through the wilderness, they get the Ten Commandments, they, get, they build this tabernacle, and God leads them ultimately to the promised land, okay? This, is, this was told to Abraham, your descendants are going to live in this promised land, it's going to be sick. And they get there, and they've seen God do these incredible things. They've walked across a sea on dry land, they just watched ten insane, like, plagues, like, wreck Egypt, and they get there, and they're like, okay, God's like, okay, I'm giving you this land into your hands. I want you to go in and take it. And they send in 12 spies, okay, if you know this story. Ten of them come back, and they're like, we cannot do this. Those guys are giants in there, in the promised land. We cannot beat them in battle. They have advanced weaponry. We are screwed. Two of them said, well, hang on, guys. God said that we can do this. God said, God kind of just parted a sea, and, and like two of them believed that God could do it. And 
Hebrews, in, in Hebrews, he's saying that they could not enter because of unbelief. So here's what happened. The, the nation as a whole chose not to follow God in that situation. They had, they had all these experiences in the past where it was miraculous. They know they, they, have to have, they have to know God's real. They walked across a sea on dry land. But, and they didn't just struggle with it, right? The sin of unbelief isn't a struggle. So they didn't say to God, God, we're scared of these people in the promised land. Help us to believe. Help us to understand. Like, I know you're telling us to do this, and you've done crazy stuff in the past. Help us understand. They didn't do that. They actually hardened their heart and said, we're just not going to do it. We, we're not doing this. And that was the sin of unbelief. They had a reasonable thing to put their faith in, but they just disobeyed. They just chose not to. So that's why they weren't able to enter the promised land. And if we're, if we're jumping back to Hebrews 3, I'm going to read a short section of why the author of Hebrews is bringing this up, starting in verse 7. It says, so we're back in Hebrews. He says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So he's, he's trying to warn us based on this example that happened to the Israelites. If you can walk across a sea on dry land and see all of these incredible things, but still harden your heart, there's something that's deceived them. Right? Sin, don't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And he's saying to the, the, the Jewish Christians that this letter is written to, don't be deceived by the same things and become hardened. Right? And I, I told you earlier that unbelief is really at the root of all sin, where you, God gives you something reasonable to place your faith in. It's still a step of faith. He's not going to prove it like silver platter. You have to live your life in him by faith, but it's a reasonable faith. He's not asking you to take some ridiculous shot in the dark and then punishing you for not doing it. He's, he, he's going to give you a reasonable faith that you can stand in. And at the root of all sin is when that's provided for us, but we still just choose to become hardened and choose our own way. We get prideful right? So what does this mean for your own life? You know, it's, I, I want to establish, I want to be really careful to explain that it's not ignorance. I explained that before, but in John chapter 9, verse 41, Jesus says to the Pharisees, if you were blind, you would not be judged. So he, what he's saying there is that if you didn't know, you wouldn't be guilty of a sin. In Romans chapter 14, it says, where, where there is no law, there's no transgression, Right? So if you don't know any better, you're not in sin. Right? So remember how I explained the Israelites didn't do that? They didn't, just, they didn't struggle with it. Right? They had an inclination that this is what God's saying, but they didn't say to God, help us understand. Help us that we're struggling with this. So the struggle and you don't understand, that's, that's okay. And I want to encourage you to ask questions. If you're not sure of something, it's okay to seek God. You're not sitting by being careful and taking wise steps just because you're unsure. Unbelief is when you're, you're actually snuffing that conversation with God. Like you have an inclination that something's right, that God would be leading you to something, but you, you stop that conversation and you say, I'm, I'm choosing my own way instead, right? So that's at the root of all sin is, is you, you actually know, you actually have an inclination that something is the right thing to do, or maybe you actually know very plainly that this is the right thing to do, Right? But, but you would choose the other way. So he's saying we need to encourage one another every single day that we would not be hardened by this. And 
I, I, I thought it was really fitting how God kind of orchestrated this when I spoke on these same two verses last time about our race. You know, my whole message was really about your value and, and getting to know the love that God has for you. You know, because I want to, so far today, what I've explained is that there's a warning for us, but I think really God isn't trying to scare us into something. Does that make sense? I think really the motivating factor, we can find it in, I'm going to use a verse from Matthew 13. I have a bookmark here. Um, it says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So the kingdom of heaven, the life that God is calling you to, the reason that you remember how he said when we run our race, we fix our eyes on him? We fix our eyes on him because he's showing us the love that he has for us. He's showing us how much he values us. And that's what we fix our eyes on as we run this race. So there is a warning to be heeded. But I find in my experience, the biggest motivation is actually the sight of how, ama uh, how amazing this treasure is in the field. When you see how beautiful it is, when you see the love that God has for you, when you see that he is good and that he can be trusted, that's when you want to do away with anything that would hinder you in your run. That's what we're talking about this morning, the sin that clings so closely and the things that would weigh you down in your walk of faith. You really don't want anything to do with them when you see how valuable the treasure is in that field. So take that as an encouragement that God's not trying to scare you into something. He he has more good news for you. There's, there's, you are worth more than you think. Jesus said that I came that you would have life and have it abundantly. There's more abundant life for you. And at the sight of his leading, and when you have faith that what he would instruct you is leading towards life and life in abundance, it becomes easier to not want to do anything with stuff that would hold you back. Does that make sense? So there's a warning, but there's the biggest motivating factor is getting to know how amazing that treasure is because when you see it for what it properly is, you want to sell everything that you have to buy the treasure in that field. Nothing, anything that would hinder you, you it, it repulses you. It, you. You hate the idea of it, that it would keep you from Christ, that it would keep you from the abundant life of living in a relationship with him. You know? Let's go back to our verse, Hebrews 12. I'm just going to read this again. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I spoke last time about how what it means to ha that he's a perfecter of our faith is that he's always working it out with us. He, he, do you know that Jesus wants to have a relationship with you that, where he calls you a friend? Did you ever think about that? That's a verse somewhere. I forget where it is, but he... He wants to have a relationship with you where he considers you a friend. We're talking about the God of the universe. You know, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He wants to lift burden off your shoulders, okay? He's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he says, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. And that sounds like a very, sometimes that phrase, convicting of your sin, has some serious baggage. But I think of it like a parent. This is the same God that said, I'm trying to lead you into life and life in abundance, you know, he's saying, I'm going to, I think of it like this, like, Jacob, you're kind of being stupid right now. Like, hello, you know, you know like, this is going to hurt you. Like, I know you can't see that. Like, what type of good parent doesn't discipline and correct their child, right? And, and when, you, when you get to know the love that God has for you, 
you begin to trust his instruction. And that's the other side of this that's so encouraging is that when you, when you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, these decisions kind of get easier. Like you, you, you know him more. It's, you you kind of know him more so you're, it's easier to trust him when he's asking something of you that you feel is difficult. You've, you, he's proven to you in the past, you've tasted and seen that his instruction, that if you would follow his instruction in every area of your life that you've seen, it's good. You know, this gets strengthened. There's a way in which this momentum kind of gets going forward and it's harder to stop after you've seen how amazing the love he has for you is and the life that he would lead you into, you know? So here's my encouragement for you. Um, unbelief, a hardness of heart, is at the root of all sin. And this phrase, the sin that clings so closely that we're trying to get rid of in our life as we run this race with endurance, that phrase means that it's, it's something that's always around us and it easily entangles us. But it's not talking about a specific sin. It's something, it's, it's any sin in your life that you, that it's kind of your vice, you know. It's something that can easily trip you up, whatever that is for you. But at the bottom of that, at the root of it, if you've struggled with something, even if it's for a long time, there's a hardness. There's a hardness. And what God wants to do is to, is to heal you. He wants to soften you again that you would begin to grapple. You remember how I said it's, it's a good thing to grapple with these things? What you need to be wary of is, is closing off the conversation. Is saying, okay, I, I, even though I have this inclination or I'm not sure if this is right, I'm just going to do it. You, I, I want to encourage you this morning that you would be softened and, and allow God to soften and heal you, that he would show you that what he wants to place his hands upon you and heal you, that the thing that the desires that you so passionately want, whatever he's leading you into in your life, are really out of a place of love and you, you can trust him. So I'm hoping that what will come this morning, and, and we're going to pray and just kind of get before God and, and invite him to do this work inside of us by his power, but I'm hoping that there's a softening, that if there's things in your life that have been a vice for a long time, something that's been a struggle for a long time, that he would soften you and open you up, that you could at least just have the conversation with him. You don't have to take a blind leap of unreasonable faith. He will, he will, he will give you something to stand on. He will walk you out every single day like a father and a friend and show you the way in which you're to go. He will lift these burdens off of your shoulders. And if you're someone that you're totally sold on this, you're totally sold that you want to run this race with endurance and anything in your life that would hold you back you just want to be rid of, I want to to just have a moment together as a family this morning where we come to him and just... You know, some of, us, some of us are very aware that there's things that hold us back in our faith. There's, there's things that can distract us. There's things that are taking our time. There's things that maybe aren't healthy, right? All things are permissible, but not everything is profitable. Do you guys know that phrase? Everything's permissible. Like you can say, well, God freed me. I can do whatever I want. But not everything's profitable. It might be holding you back from a deeper, more vibrant, abundant life that God's trying to lead you into. So if you're sold on this, I just want to have a moment before God where you... you you entrust that to his hands, where you say, God, would you help? Would you help me to fix my eyes on you as I'm running? Would you help me to see and trust in the abundant life that you would lead me into in all areas of my life? As a family, I want to come before him and, and, and just bring this to him this morning. So why don't we, uh, why don't we go ahead and pray? Why don't we just do that? Um, God, I give you thanks for the ability we have to just stand on the promises of your word. The opposite of unbelief is faith. And would we, 
live our life? Would we allow your promises and your word to inform our decisions? That if you say to us, you're a good father and I have good plans for you, that if you say to us, I want to heal you and take burdens that are weighing you down, help us to, to make a decision to, to live that out, to not just give it a mental assent, but to really live it out. I thank you for the promises you have in your word. I thank you that eternal life is knowing you. John 17, eternal life is to know you. So Father, we, we humbly come to you this morning and cry out that we would know you more. That in, in the knowledge of you, that in growing in this relationship where we trust you more, that, that we would really come to see this abundant life that you're saying you're trying to lead us into. Forgive us for fighting you and clinging to things that that you want to heal us and, and free us from and show us a new way. Forgive us for trying to lead our own way when, when it's so much better to let you be the, the Lord of our life, to let you have the steering wheel. I pray this morning for anybody that's getting to know you, maybe this is your, your first time here or something that, Father, I pray that you would just fill them with your love. I pray that in this moment before you that we would get to know you a bit more. For those of us that do know you, would you give us the courage and the faith to walk out anything that's holding us back, that we would entrust it to your hands? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, there's been moments in my life where uh, I felt like God was asking something of me and it specifically even to, to give something up that was just unhealthy and I, I couldn't really keep in a healthy place in my life and I would really grapple with it. What was really transformational for me was to sit down with a mentor and, and, and ask him, like, this is what I feel like God's saying, but I'm struggling. And... Um, you know, I sat down with Doug Sprunt. God asked me to God asked me to give up video games. I have a hard time keeping video games in a healthy place in my life. This is a little while ago. And I sat down with Doug Sprunt. And I was like, listen, Doug, I think I think God's asking me to give up video games. But you know, and then I and I carried him through all of my uh all of my like, but you know, maybe he means this or maybe he means this. Doug looks at me, he's like, You're cute. <laughs> it was hilarious, but convicting, and I needed to hear it. All that is to say, if there's, if there's a war going on in your mind over some area of your life, like for some reason there's just something in your life that's really kind of top of mind this morning, I encourage you to talk to a mentor. Talk to somebody about it. That, I feel like God's saying this to me. Is this, am I crazy? You know? Get it, like it's, it's really healthy to hear it back from somebody. Someone, you know, a mentor. <laughs>